Welcome to the Connections Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things mental health. We believe that connecting with others through honest conversation is our greatest tool in breaking down the stigma that is often associated with mental illness. My name is Lauren Sepulvador, and today we are going to be having one of those conversations. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Connection Chat, everybody. This week I've got Ellen here with me. Hey, Ellen. Hello, everyone. So Ellen is a training specialist in human relations here at Connections Wellness Group, and she also obtained her master's degree in applied clinical psychology. So, so glad to have you here today, Ellen. (laughs) Thanks. Glad to be here, Lauren. So Ellen is a um, fellow Ravenclaw. (laughs) Yes, sure am. (laughs) Yes, we used to be in the call center together. Ellen was my manager, actually. So it's just so cool to see each other, like, grow in the company and get to have her on the podcast today. Oh, absolutely. And I love seeing you again ever since, you know, not being manager anymore, going out of the call center. um, You don't get to interact as much with some of the people that were in there. So it's always good to, like, interact with other people people in different ways like this so absolutely so Ellen reached out about sharing her story today Uh, just as a disclaimer this topic could be triggering for some we will be talking about suicide and the topic of this episode is losing a loved one to suicide so um, I'm really glad that Ellen reached out to talk about this today this is not an easy topic to talk about but it's very important so we can get started with your story, Ellen. When we met about doing this episode, you mentioned that you didn't realize your mom had a diagnosis until much later in life. So when did you realize that your mom was battling mental illness and how did that come about? Yeah, so um, during my late teens, I started to notice, um, you know, some symptoms in my mom that I hadn't noticed before. Um, You know, she would be alone in her room a lot. You know, I would see her, uh, you know, tears on her face sometimes and crying a lot. Um, And she would try to hide it from me. Um, My dad also tried to hide it from me as well by telling me that, you know, oh, she's just not feeling well today or things like that. Um, And, you know, and that age as a teen, you kind of just, you know, pass it off. You're like, okay, you know, that's fine. Like, I hope she gets better soon. And you go on doing what you're doing. Um, And mental health was not something that my family talked a lot about growing up. We didn't really talk openly about it. Um, And so during my senior year in high school, I actually decided to take a psychology class to see if this would be something that I was going to be interested in to uh, pursue in college, because at the time I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I ended up taking a class in high school and I ended up like loving it. It was super great. And then, you know, during the class, we studied a lot of different types of mental disorders. And, you know, we got to learn about the symptoms and all that sort of thing. And so during that, when we talked about bipolar disorder specifically, the symptoms started adding up. I started putting two and two together um, of what I had seen my mom experience, even though they were small glimpses. But I started to, you know, like I said, put two and two together. Um, and I never fully brought it up to my mom and I kind of waited, I waited for her to open up to me about it um, more. And as I continued to study psychology in college and in my master's, um, she started to open up to me a lot more because she knew that I could, you know, understand what she was going through and relate to it and talk, she could talk more openly about her struggles and symptoms and, you know, what treatments and medications she's tried. Um, And so, yeah, that was kind of how I realized that, you know, she was battling with something um, that I had, you know, not um, understood yet until that time. Yeah, 
That's tough because parents will try to hide things from their children, but children usually more know more than they think that we do. So mm-hmm. what was your upbringing like? Would you say that you had a normal upbringing? Yeah, so I would say it was pretty great for the most part. I was an only child, so, you know, they were always spoiling me. My mom was always making sure I had everything that I needed. Um, And so that sense, it was really great. Um, I didn't have any siblings, so, um, you know, I could just kind of do things by myself. And, you know, my parents gave me as much, you know, attention as they could. So like I said, normal. Um, But, you know, my parents did did get a divorce when I was really young. um, And we didn't really communicate with a lot of our extended family. So. So I was alone a lot. I kind of just had, we had a lot of pets and those were kind of like, it was my pets and then the few friends that I had. So growing up in my upbringing, I had to become independent very quickly. Um, I had to, you know, learn how to do things for myself. Um, and, um, this was even more magnified when I was with my mom. So with my dad, I could sort of more be a normal kid, you know, still be independent, but you know, things like that because they were separated. So I was going to his house and then spending time at her house as well. And when I was with her, um, the best way I can describe it is it's almost like I'm the parent and she's the child. Mm. That's the best way I can describe the relationship. Um, I was always, before we left the house, I was always making sure she had her keys, she had her wallet, she had her phone. You know, do we know where we're going? Do we have the directions? Things like that. And so I think in, in a way... Um, like I mentally matured super fast and I always sort of had this anxiety about my surroundings. And I think that anxiety has sort of developed today into, you know, an anxiety I still experience in some way. I'm super, I'm always hypervigilant of my surroundings. Um, some people would say it's a great trait, which it is being very observant and um, having a really good attention to detail. But I think that stems from my relationship with her and always being on high alert for things you know there'd be things where we'd like run out of gas on the side Mm. of the road or like we'd go somewhere and she wouldn't be able to pay because we forgot she forgot her wallet or you know we'd be looking for a billion years for the remote and it's in her purse you know and things like that so it's just like you kind of start to learn to um (laughs) you know try to look after her and so you know it's really it you know, it's feels really uncomfortable, you know, and anxious to, to be around someone like that. And, you know, I always just made sure she was prepared. So, and some people will say that about me as well. Oh, you're always so prepared, yeah. this and that. And I think it always goes back to her. Um, and so this continued, like I said, to when even I became an adult, I found myself still, you know, like I said, being observant and hypervigilant when I was around her even, not just in my personal life, on my like work side or my school side, uh-huh. but I would be even more hypervigilant around her as well. Mm. Now that I was an adult and I knew what she was going through, it's now, did you take your medications? Mm. Did you do this? Did you go to therapy? Did yeah. you do that or this or whatever? Making sure I could do everything in my power to make sure that she was doing the things she needed to do yeah. because she wasn't very reliant. I couldn't really rely on her to do the things she needed to do. Um, and my mom was super eccentric as well, and she was definitely her own her own person in that way. She was a very interesting person. Um, but, yeah, like I said, going back to that, um, you know, as an adult, I still... Um, before she passed, um, still felt like I was the parent in that mm. relationship. So yeah, talk yeah. about growing up quick and mm-hmm. just having to be a parent to your parent in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and that's really tough for a kid to go to. But that's a way that you adapted to your environment, and you did everything that you could. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So speaking of that, what are some ways that you've coped with the situation? 
Yeah, so um, when my grandmother called me and told me that my mom um, completed suicide, it was sort of a shock, um, but at the same time, it wasn't. Um, we kind of knew that she had been struggling. Honestly, her whole life she had been struggling with suicidal ideation, and she had attempted several times before. Um, and so it's sort of like you were hoping it wouldn't happen, but at the same point, um, you know, you're... I don't know, it's so hard to explain. It's almost like her suffering ended, if mm. that makes sense. So, you know, she suffered so much and I could I could see the pain that she experienced every day. So in a way, it's sort of a relief to know that she's not suffering anymore. Yeah. And I think your brain kind of tells you that to be able to cope with the situation. And so that's one way that I've coped is trying to remember the, um, the happy things, right? Trying to remember, um, you know, the laughter and all of that instead of remembering her pain. Um, and, you know, I think our brains try to help us cope by justifying the situation. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's how my brain has coped so far. And that's how I've coped is just knowing that she's in a better place. And, you know, I always say more than anything that my mom loved to travel and she wanted to see the world. So now I like to imagine her as like a bird or a dragonfly, yeah. two animals and things that she really loved. I imagine her as something like that, being able to go wherever she wants, do whatever she wants and just be free yeah. from her pain. And I think it's important that you imagine your loved one in a positive way like that and remember the times that they were happy and yeah. laughing and you know knowing that they're always there with you even though you can't see them anymore yeah that's honestly beautiful to think of her like a bird and traveling that's I don't know it's just so poetic but I just want to thank you for sharing your story because I can imagine that people that go through this it's so isolating mm -hmm. and it's so lonely because others that have gone through this don't share their stories and that's really the only way to let people know that they're not alone and to fight the stigma is to share your story, even mm -hmm. if it's really difficult. Absolutely. And then since you are in a place where you're able to talk about this, what would you say to others who are struggling with this or have had family members attempt or even complete suicide? Yeah, so I would say a few things for sure. Um, I sort of have three. <laughs> so I would say it's okay to grieve and you should let yourself do that. Um, I think if you want to cry, cry. If you want to not cry, don't cry. If you want to scream, then scream, you know. So like let your mind and body grieve how it's supposed to grieve. And there's no one way to feel, um, you know. So some people, you know, they may do most of the grieving, grieving in the first few days. Mm -hmm. And some... And then, you know, they'd be over it or, you know, you're not always over it. I hate not to say that, but, you know, the pain only lessens, basically. Um, you know, and some, it may take years to yeah. grieve. Um, and so it's okay. Like, we'll never fully heal from the losses. But I think what makes us stronger as family members for going through something like this and, you know, it makes us stronger as, and united as human beings. Um, and, you know, grief never goes away. It only shrinks is what mm -hmm. I like to say. Um, the second thing would be to remember the good times with that person. Like, they'll always be with you. Like, whatever your religion, whatever your spiritual beliefs may be, I think they'll always live on in your memory. And it's really important to remember them, like I was mentioning earlier, in a positive light. Um, and my mom loved humor, so it really helps me, like, to remember her laughing or, like, watching a comedy show yeah. together or, like, just joking around and things like that. And then the last one, I would just say notice the meaning in things. Um, something that happened to me after she had passed is I started to see uh, red dragonflies. 
everywhere. I started to notice them more. Um, And again, I'm not super spiritual myself, um, but this is just something that I noticed. And I think for other people out there, I think it's important to notice that meaning in things um, because it doesn't let their spirit or, you know, their memory shrink away. Um, It lets you remember them in a positive way, um, you know, while still, you know, being able to grieve them, if that makes sense. So, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Connections Wellness Group. Be sure to follow us at Connections Wellness Group on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok for daily content relating to mental wellness. Since you've experienced this, are there some things that people misunderstand or get wrong about suicide and survivors of suicide? Yeah, so I think I think the stereotype about suicide is that it's the easy way out, right? Or it's um, it's cowardly to yeah. do something like this. And you know, I think that's far from the truth. I can only personally speak about my mom, but when she completed suicide, uh, she was backed into a corner. Mm-hmm. She felt she had nowhere else to go. She had tried every treatment that was out there. She felt that this was the only way to bring her relief from her pain. And so, you know, under now I want everyone else listening as well to understand that there is always hope out there and I would have done absolutely anything to help her if she was feeling suicidal, but in her mind she felt she had no choice and her body sort of took over. Yeah. That's how she had described her last attempts to me mm-hmm. is that her body just took over her mind and all of a sudden she was just not in control anymore. And so, you know, if you think that, like, you know, you or a loved one are feeling backed into a corner and you start to view suicide as the only option, like, I want, I want you to reach out. I want, you know, I want you to get help. I want you to talk to someone like, you know, we don't need, don't shy away from talking about it. You know, I think that's another stereotype is people just don't want to talk about it. It's such a like taboo word and subject that they just people get you know a little tense when yeah. you when you start to talk about it and I think we really need to work on breaking the stigma of that because it this is what happens to people and if you know we don't want to talk about it you know how do we how are we going to get them help you know if we can't right. talk about this openly so we really need to work on breaking that stigma and like just talking about the ways you can get different ways you can get help and you know if you're like I said if you're feeling like this is the oh, suicide is the only option it's not there's so much more help out there and you know just so many different treatment methods to try you know like I said my mom she had said that she had tried everything but you know at the time you know I don't I don't think she fully had I think there were still things she could have tried yeah. still ways that she could have coped but you know they get in people get into that mindset and you know like I had said her body kind of took over but I think it's super important to recognize that in yourself if you're feeling that way or if your family member is feeling that way and reach out get them help you know yeah. try everything that you can that's possible so yeah I really want to talk about what you said about it being difficult to talk about it with others Mm because they may get tense or they may not know what to say. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some people where they want to be there for friends or family members that have had this happen to one of their loved ones, but they're maybe scared of saying the wrong thing or don't want to upset someone anymore. So do you have any advice about best ways to support someone through this? Yeah. So I would say, um, just talk openly. I think anyone who has kind of been through it um 
you know, I don't think it's going to really matter the words that you say, you know, they've lost their loved one. That's pretty much, you know, already the worst of it. Um, So, you know, any ways that you can reach out and support them, whether it's just, you know, sitting in silence with them or just, like I said, talking about it openly. I think um, the way, you know, that I've been supporting my grandmother as well through it is um, me and her will just talk about my mom, like the funny things that she did. We'll just relive stories um, from her um, in the best way possible. But I do think, I do think you have to sort of be in a certain place in the grieving process to be able to comfortably do that. And so I think also how to support other people grieving is to try to uh, talk to them and figure out where they're at in the grieving process. And so that they know that, you know, they, you know, and ask them, how do you, how can I support you? You know, where, where are you at in the grieving process and how can I support you in this part? Yeah. Um, And, you know, just helping them do whatever they, with the smallest gestures, even, you know, just like I said, reaching out, sending flowers, just any sort of thing like that, I think is super appreciated. I know um, you guys in the call center, I know Carissa organized, um, you know, to bring me like gift cards and like flowers Mm -hmm. and all that. And it was, that was so appreciated. And it went a long way to know that, you know, people are thinking about you and what you're going through. Absolutely. And I really like what you said about just asking somebody what they need or what's going to help them the Mm -hmm. most, because I think people, I don't know, can be nervous or don't know how to talk about it. So asking somebody what they need, like, do you want me to just sit with you in silence? Do you just not want to be alone? Or do you want to try to do something fun? And like you said, where they are in the grieving process, because that's going to depend on Mm -hmm. what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And when you say different parts of the grieving process, can you explain that more or share your experience? So, I mean, there's the general psychology way of it, right? You've got the, you know, the five stages of grief and things like that. So, you know, you have that, but I think it's almost more, I think it's, you know, you go through waves of, you know, just thoughts. So it's, you know, you go through waves of, this person's gone and I'm never going to see them again. And then, you know, you start to get really sad and upset. And, you know, so there's those, that type of, you know, part of the grief is where you get those waves of like extreme sadness and, um, you know, you might cry or, you know, just like you just, it like almost hits you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like the shock hits you again. And then you have times where you try to go about your daily life and that person sort of starts to fade into the background um like I said grief never goes away it never goes away it just gets smaller so you know that might it might get smaller and then maybe you're in a better mental space to be able to talk about it a little bit more um and I think it just like you know the the last part you know would be have you come to peace with it there's a lot of guilt Mm. that comes with someone you know who's completed a family member who has had someone complete suicide there's a lot of guilt that comes with that and I think you have to process that guilt so that would be another phase I think that like if someone is feeling guilty about if they didn't reach out or didn't do this or that you have to you know realize that that person needs support in that way because they're feeling guilty Um, and then you sort of come to peace I think which is would be the last one like Mm. you've come to peace with it you've got you've release the guilt um you know of course you like I said you still have those waves of like it's almost weird sometimes I'll have that realization like something will happen or somebody will say something or something like that and Mm -hmm. it will remind me of my mom and then sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't but I get the like you get the realization of that person's gone you know like I will never be able to talk to that person again you know I'll never be able to hear them again but then it's important to get out of that and you know, 
I guess, like I said, do those coping skills or, you know, do those things where you remember that they're there. They're right there with you, you know. Yeah. My mom's here right now with us, you know, like listening to this. And I'm yeah. sure she would love, love to hear this. And I, like I said, I feel like in my world, she's listening right now. So yeah. I think just coming back to that and coming back to that positive is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot of guilt that family members can experience, not just with wishing I would have done this or I could have done this, but also with maybe moving on too quickly and maybe even feeling guilt for that. So I can imagine that it's extremely difficult to go through that grieving process. And there's a lot of back and forth. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not always completely linear. There's going to be steps back and Mm -hmm. things that really hurt. And you said like waves, like crashing down on you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like what you said about like, it's just like your brain this like, you know, is like tries to cope and or, um, you know, I think like just the way of thinking, like people could have done this or I could have done that. And um, I remember we had mentioned this um, a while back, like something I had noticed in myself or just in the weird dichotomy of it is, you know, before that had happened, you know, before she had completed suicide, you would have said, you know, I would do anything, you know, to help her. I would yeah. do this and that or whatever, you know. And then after it happens, your brain sort of had to be able to like release that guilt you kind of have to be like, well, there's nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very strange dichotomy that your brain, those waves that your brain goes through to yeah. try to cope with it. And it's a really up and down. There's sometimes some days where I'm like, oh, well, I, I should have done this or I should have said that or I should have did that. Yeah. And then there's other days where I'm like, well, you know, there's nothing I can do and you have yeah. to move on. So it's just an interesting, I found an interesting dichotomy of thinking um, when something like this happens. Yeah, absolutely. And then... I want to go back to supporting loved ones that have lost somebody to suicide. Well, it does relate to suicide, but I've heard of others that have lost family members to, for whatever reason, like a freak accident or anything. Cancer even. Yes. Mm -hmm. That when they lost that loved one, friends and other family members didn't want to bring up that person's name or they were scared that if they did, it would upset the survivor a lot but really they've said that I want to remember them I want to have that memory kind of like you were talking about with your grandma and talking about those good memories Mm -hmm. does that stand true for you that you do want to continue to have her legacy in that way and talk with her about others or sorry (laughs) talk about her with others (laughs) yes absolutely for sure and even when you're saying that right now like talk with her meaning my mom yeah it's funny that you say that because like I think something that people can do in this again this really depends on you and depends on your comfort level and depends on your level of spirituality sometimes I'll be sitting at home or I'll be doing something and something silly will happen and I'll be like mom look at that Mm, you know yeah (laughs) so I think I think always remembering them in that positive light and again I don't want to say like get stuck on thinking that they're always there. That's also can be a dangerous situation in your mind when you're just pretending like things didn't happen. Yeah. But I think to some degree, um, yeah, you have to remember those positive times um, with yeah. that with that family member. And I think that's one of the only ways that's kind of gotten me through because then when I remember the negative times, it takes me back to the guilt again. Yeah. So. Yeah. So wanting to remember the good times and share it with others mm-hmm. and not wanting others to be scared of talking about those good memories and absolutely loved ones. So in closing, is, do you have any advice for people that are feeling this way or fear that they have a family member that is contemplating suicide? 
Yeah, so I do. And I do first want to say I'm not a licensed clinical professional. So um, I did, you know, go to school for that, but um, I am not licensed. So, you know, please seek out help in, from a licensed professional. But um, what I would say from my own personal experience is that um, just be observant. Notice those signs. Um, you know, don't ignore them. I think it's easy to brush it off or turn the other way and be like, oh, they're fine. Oh, yeah. it was just this or oh, it was just that. Um, you know, if you know that person already struggles with mental health, mm-hmm. you have to take it seriously and you have to reach out with warmth and compassion. We don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to berate down on them. Yeah. Um, I think it's important, like I said, to reach out to that person wanting to help them and support them, um, you know, in that way and just kind of see where they're at. And, you know, like I said, I think talk openly about it, you know, don't be afraid to ask them if, you know, Hey, are you, are you having suicidal thoughts? Like, are you wanting to end your life or not wake up tomorrow? Or is that how you're feeling? And I think just asking openly is going to help because a lot of the times they say, um, you know, that just by talking about it is not going to make that person complete suicide. Right. So I think, like going back to what you said earlier, just being open um, and, you know, reaching out to that person, I think that goes a long way because that person who's in that place is feeling alone um, and they're feeling like they can't reach out for help. And so, you know, helping them get the help that they need, you know, even if it's just like researching some places online and like saying, Hey, like I found this, like, you know, therapy place or, you know, this cool, you know, whatever, we can get you this and that. So I think just kind of coming at them with that, but not too strong because we don't want to, we don't want to push them away. Yeah. Um, just coming in with, like I said, as much warmth and support as you can. Yeah. But be gentle. <laughs> I loved all of that. And I love that you point out that misconception of if you ask somebody if they're thinking about suicide, that it'll lead them to attempt or mm-hmm. to, yeah, to attempt suicide when that's not the case. And really that's the best way to be direct with someone mm-hmm. and for them to tell you how they're feeling. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for being on the podcast today. I really think that this episode will inspire and help a lot of people. A lot of people are not vulnerable and have the strength that you do to share about this today. So I just want to thank you because I just know that's going to have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Connections Chat podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast on your platform of choice to receive updates on our latest episodes. As our community is growing, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. If this episode resonated with you, please share and start the conversation with your network or support system. And together, we continue to break through the stigma surrounding mental illness. 